today I am bringing back another famous podcast that was recorded with Marcy back last year. And this one was very popular because it addressed how calories in, calories out isn't the answer that people should be giving or listening to, and how there is so much more to the journey, and that it is hard. It's hard until it's not. You just need to keep going. I hope you enjoy this one. Hello and welcome back to 100% Real with Ruby. Today I have my sister from another country, Mister, as in as in Father America. But we're we're so one in the same, and I feel like so many of us have been in this place where we are, we just become so attached to this one goal, this one focus point of just losing weight, of just getting leaner of just becoming this arbitrary number on a scale or just this image we have in our head of how we want to look, yet we are so delusional about what it actually takes to get there. And we start this phase of losing weight, cutting food, doing all the things that we know we need to do to lose weight and to look this certain way. But we do it for so long we start to identify it. And it's almost like we don't know any other different than that. And it's kind of scary to see ourselves as not dieting, but <sighs> with me here today is Marcy and Evan. And I guess the best way to introduce this is to bring a little bit of your experience into the question of how is it that not wanting not wanting to stop dieting is really holding us back. Oh, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> I mean, it's been, oh, it's been such a long journey because I think like so many women, my, my fitness journey, which by the way, I'm so tired of that phrase, fitness journey. Like, can we think of something else to say? <laughs> just like falling off track, those two things. I'm like, we need a new phrase, but yeah, it started when I was probably 12 years old because I had started to gain some weight. I remember like maturing faster than a lot of my friends. So I was getting taller and, uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like I stopped growing up and I started to grow out <laughs> and I'm like, what's I was like, what's going on here? You know? And it was so frustrating because I was looking at all my friends who now were, you know, getting tall and they were very lean and they could eat whatever they wanted. And here I was like very active. I played all of the sports, like you name it, I did it, but I was still gaining weight. And now obviously what I know is I was just eating too much because although my mom, especially tried to do a really good job of having me eat, you know, quote unquote healthy, I, I still found ways to eat like bonbons on a Friday night. Like I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like Friday night bagel bites and bonbons or cream, it was cream puffs actually. So yeah, no wonder why I was gaining weight. And eventually I just got really tired of it. So 
I did the only thing that I knew how to do, which was take some of my mom's VHS tapes. I'm really dating myself. Uh, and I started to I started to do those in my parents' living room when I was 12 and was just, you know, so frustrated because I was not seeing any change. So eventually I went to her because she was always, you know, doing some type of diet. And I asked like, what can I do to lose this weight? And she was giving me, you know, looking back, God awful advice. So eat less sugar, eat low fat. Cause that's what was, you know, the thing at the time. And I tried all of that and still like nothing was changing. So when I got to high school, I was still really frustrated, not feeling good about myself, really self-conscious about going into my high school years being overweight. So my mom and I joined Weight Watchers and the joke is like, well, actually she joined the program. I just followed along and I'm the one who lost the weight. So it's interesting because Weight Watchers is kind of like macro tracking in a sense, you're counting points, but there's no emphasis on protein or nutrient density or anything like that. So I was, you basically fill your points with like Big Macs if you wanted to. And I was just not doing what I know now would, that I needed to do to like build muscle or, you know, really make progress. So it was at least the thing that got the ball rolling. So I did lose some weight. I felt more confident. And then I really began to kind of like evolve into uh, the, the next version of myself when it came to my fitness. So going to the gym, starting to lift weights focusing more on my nutrition, like learning about that. And, and yeah, like I did start to make some progress, which was good. And then I graduated from high school, went into college and that's where things started to get really dicey because I was looking at all these women on the covers of the fitness magazine. And I just wanted to look like a figure competitor. I wanted to be lean. I wanted to be muscular. So I was like, I'm going to start doing exactly what they're doing. I'm going to follow the protocol laid out in the magazine to a T And that's basically what I did, not really knowing at the time, again, for no fault of my own, that I was basically following a competition prep. (laughs) So it's go, go to the gym in the morning and do 45 to 60 minutes of fasted cardio, come back at night and lift weights, do more cardio, eat, you know, 1200 calories of egg beaters and steamed broccoli. Like that was pretty much it. So Yeah, I definitely developed a, what I would call disordered eating and exercise mindset all throughout college. And, but, but I didn't know any better. So it wasn't until years later when I did start learning more that I was like, oh, I've been doing things wrong the entire time. So if I could go back and change it all, I I don't know if I, I mean, I would say, yes, I would, but it's my story, you know? And if I, if I didn't do that, I don't think I would be here talking to you right now. I actually asked myself the same question not that long ago and I wouldn't change anything about the past because that's like we wouldn't be here if like I know I wouldn't be here you would still be doing your old degree if Mm -hmm. you didn't go through that thing as well and the the thing that is so powerful about this story is you're not alone in this like most people that even I have spoken to, and I'm sure a lot of my clients, my listeners, your clients have been in a position where they watched their mother doing all the diets. They were fed magazines because all of that was me as well. Like I remember in high school, 
that was the thing that triggered me like holy shit I weigh more than my friend holy shit I'm going through puberty and I feel like a lot of the older generation in some cultures didn't actually handle puberty well and they made women feel ashamed of it and it's something that I came to realize in the last couple of months that that's exactly what has been happening and since those days we've just been so focused on losing weight and it's what we identify with because you didn't just end that there like this continued through your adult life of just enjoying this smaller body and it's the same with everyone else but not wanting to stop dieting holds you back in the way that okay she wants to look like these fitness models I wanted to look like these fitness models but all I knew is I needed to get smaller I needed to lose more weight to look like them not once did we realize that they actually needed they don't look like that all the time and they actually need to put time into building muscle and I guess this brings in the importance of not getting your mindset right and not prepping yourself before starting your journey in all dimensions is setting you up for failure because you can't just enter a fat loss phase like that. Like if we take that Marcy that went through that whole journey and anyone listening to this that has tried all the diets, that has tried all the things to lose weight and they aren't seeing results and we just say, okay, let's put you in for fat loss phase without first nailing the basics where are we going to succeed there? So what is it that we actually need to keep in mind when approaching getting this goal body, which is, I agree with you. It's like, it's not about falling off track because you can't fall off track. It's your life. Like, where is, what's the track? What's the end line? What's, where's the rule book? Where's, where are the checkpoints? Like, this is something you have to do for life. And it, it seems so stupid on the surface. It's just like, why would I want to do a 12 week diet? Why would I want to do this when I actually want to keep my results? It doesn't compute. It's like, okay, cool. Let's do this 12 week diet. No one thinks about what comes next. And you like, yeah, you want to keep results, but it doesn't mean that you stay at that same body at that same scale weight at those same calories, because yes, that diet needs to be sustainable long-term, but it doesn't mean sustainable at 1200 calories, 1600 calories, whatever it is. So Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that and the importance of actually living at maintenance and viewing this as a lifestyle. Well, it's really interesting you say that because looking back at the time in my life when I was starting, and again, it was mostly magazines. That's where I was getting my information. There was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There were no blogs or websites or anything like that. And you know, thinking about it and I've never really put it into perspective like this. So thank you for starting this conversation and like why it is such a problem and not even, I feel like the tides are starting to turn, which is great because we have people like you, myself, other women, and even men in this industry, you know, we were talking about Brandon and the process that you guys did together. So more men are my coach events, you know, talking about the fact, like one thing Vince says, women are not small men. So we cannot diet or do things like men do. We're going to end up with a, a hormonal shitstorm of problems, which is what happened to me. But kind of where I'm going with that is like that message doesn't sell. So when I was getting my information from the magazines, if they had put a fitness woman or a fitness model or a figure competitor on the cover in the off season, like 
who is going to buy that, right? Because they don't look anything like they do on the cover or on the stage. But what they don't tell you in the pages is that this is not sustainable year round. They make it, they make you believe that by following that woman's diet and training regimen, cardio regimen, that you are going to look like her, but it's absolutely impossible. So everything at that time was like, yes, there was some talk about like building muscle, but it was predominantly fat loss. And they kind of sell, sold you this, you know, false belief or false promise really that you could essentially recomp, that you could build all this muscle, lose all this body fat, and then end up looking like that. And I was like, well, no, because I didn't have the foundation of muscle to begin with. So that was the problem is I was trying to diet my way to this muscular physique when I didn't have the muscle yet to show it. So I would get leaner and it's like, oh, I'm still not where I want to be. Got to get any, any, or even more lean. Like that must be the answer. But I was like, no, really what it takes is a long time of putting in the work of building the muscle. And then at some point shedding the body fat to reveal it. I love that. You can't diet your way to the fit sculpted and built body that you want. And it's so true, but we, we don't understand the importance of muscle. And I'm sure that you have conversations with you girls as well, where it's just like, yeah, well, this person did it in 12 weeks. Why can't I do it in 12 weeks? And like, yeah, cool. Instagram is the new magazines now, but that in itself poses a problem because what are people mostly looking for? They're looking for fitspo. They're looking for inspo. And before you know it, they're scrolling the pages of people who compete on stage. And I think the most toxic thing to come to our Instagram feeds is this bodybuilding culture of cut, bulk, cut, bulk um how about not cutting for one day and looking lean as hell for one day but actually living a leaner lifestyle living a stronger lifestyle a healthier lifestyle that's what it should be and I say this all the time but it's not sexy it doesn't sell it's like but 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 why do you need an end date why do you need this this lean thing for one day don't you want to maintain a leaner stronger body for life like you not see how powerful it can be to learn how to maintain something for life because yeah you can get there but I've been through the cycles many times myself to know how damaging that is for a food relationship because I might have finished my bodybuilding comp in 2017 as all my bodybuilding comps but my relationship with food was screwed up until COVID if it wasn't for COVID, I would not have healed that because straight after that, I was still aiming for a scale weight because I had to make weight for comp, for powerlifting. And th- this is how damaging the scale can be. And it's just some arbitrary number. We still hold on to this identity of a dieter, of someone that needs to lose weight, someone that wants to look this way, someone that's trying to look better. But it brings in with it a toxic relationship with numbers, with progress what progress means, how, how you even get that progress. Like we're delusional about it. Like there is muscle under that and you can shred down all you want, but I actually really like this conversation about women are not small men. Cause that's literally the name of the podcast I did with Brandon, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why I laughed when you said it, but 
we have such a toxic relationship with the scales and the scale going down. We don't realize that, hey, chronic dieting is a stress. Hey, that's going to impact your thyroid. It's going to impact your sex hormones. Sex hormones don't just make babies. They don't just give you a period. They impact your thyroid and they impact your metabolism. Do you mm-hmm. not realize that estrogen is not bad? Progesterone is not bad. An imbalance of them is bad. And if you're stressed out, if you're chronically dieting, overtraining, both Marcy and I have been through phases where we're doing all the right things, all the right things, but our body isn't doing what it's supposed to. And this Mm -hmm. is what I really wanted to talk about with you because Mm -hmm. she even quoted in our little long conversation before I hit record, I do all the right things. Why is my body not doing what it used to? And then she hired her coach who is focused on health first, like her, like me, because we know that your health and your mindset are actually the most important things to anything because your brain, like your brain controls nervous signals to your fat burning system, your carb use system, your muscle building system. So anything that happens in the brain impacts everything else. So your mind is so powerful. Your actual health status is powerful. We already talked about that. So in going through her health phase, she lost 15 pounds in how long was it? Oh, gosh. Well, so I gained 15 pounds in three months. And then I, you know, trying to put on weight specifically for kind of like a powerlifting style of training. And then I sat in that for probably a couple of years And then that's when I hired Vince and we worked on my internal health. So predominantly my gut health first, because that was really, I think that's kind of like where you start and then you address the hormones. So it only took 10 weeks of working on my gut. Not to say that after 10 weeks, everything was, you know, miraculously cured. I'm still working on stuff and healing is definitely not linear, but after 10 weeks, he felt like we had made enough progress that. I was able to go into a fat loss phase and shed some of that weight that I had gained previously. So my, and this is crazy thinking about it. He probably would do things differently now, I'm sure. Uh, But my fat loss phase ended up being around nine months. Like I took breaks here and there, but I started in, I think June and I ended in June or July and I ended in January right before COVID. So I ended up losing gosh, I mean, more than 20 pounds at that point, I would say. Like, that's the thing. Like it actually came off for us before hiring Vince. She was doing all the right things. She wasn't losing a thing. No, she was- no, no, no. So I've always been able to lose weight pretty quickly. I feel like now I'm doing all the right things and my weight has been going up. So I, when I went to Vince, I was like following the plan to a T the weight just like melted but I think that I likely still had some metabolic adaptation from all the things that I had been doing years before, like in my teens, in my twenties, all of that, that like, it's, you know, it may never get fully restored. Your body keeps score. You saying that just made me think of that quote, your body keeps score of everything that you do. And this is exactly why you will never get your goal body in one fat loss phase. You need to go through periods of fat loss. You need to go through periods of priming yourself and diet breaking, reversing, maintenance, whatever you want to call it, 
where you're actually focusing on priming your body for the next successful fat loss round. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not pretty and progress is never linear. You said that yourself, but no fat loss phase is going to look like the previous. And I'm sure you can talk on this point where you have women come to you and with every subsequent diet, their body was worse at the end of it. It was more stubborn on the next diet. Mm -hmm. And because they're already mentally fatigued, mentally drained from being a chronic dieter, not only is it physically more challenging, but they mentally aren't as, as like intense with everything they need to do. Like they'll start off right for one week, but they'll fall off more often. They'll be less sold into the process because you've been dieting your whole life. Like this is, this is why it is so important to spend time at maintenance, to spend time getting yourself ready for a fat loss phase and stop using coaches just for fat loss because mm. we need to go through those processes. And mm. as females, we have other hormones at play where they are more volatile to dieting. They are more volatile to fat gain because we're the ones that give birth. We're the ones that need to survive the race. We're the ones that need to survive famine. So every single time we go through, I used to call it control, a, a controlled a controlled starvation. Every exactly time, what it is. It is. It's every single time you put yourself through controlled starvation, you're getting these adaptations. So you need to get in and get out. And I am sure Vince probably does it differently now, but your coach, me, even yourself, you none of us have, none of us have a crystal ball to <laughs> dictate or to know what your progress is going to be like. But we do know that by ticking the boxes, you are going to be along the road on your journey. It is not a track. It is a road. It is a journey. And there's side switch streets. The thing is, you, as long as you are facing forward, this is one of my best sayings ever. As long as your direction is forward and your focus is forward, no matter which way you're going, you could even be reversing backwards, taking steps back. But as long as you are focusing forward, you are on the right track, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You're going in the right direction. There's like... Mm -hmm. You could take the wrong road sometimes and everyone takes wrong roads. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be detours. There might be a car accident along the road. So you have to take a side street. That's cool. If it's a no through road, cool, come back. But you're still focused on that end point. And that's the way this journey is. And like uh, you mentioned it at the beginning where you lost the weight, you felt more confident. And I feel like this is the thing that no one understands or they do understand, but they don't slow down enough to appreciate it, that all you really want out of this is to get more confident. It's to live life at a higher, a higher vibration pretty much. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard to do that when all you're focused on is a scale weight, where all you're focused on is getting leaner, but it's all you know. And mm -hmm. then self-sabotage comes in. So what forms of self-sabotage do you usually see and how does that usually impact the journey in itself? And I guess, how would you usually combat that? Um, it's so funny. You're, you're closing doors and I'm like, I hear screaming children in my hallway. <laughs> the joys of podcasting. Um, self-sabotage. So I, I typically see it when someone is on the precipice of really starting to see good results. So it's usually not happening when like right out of the gate, 
It's, I mean, and it can, because I really believe that self-sabotage is just our brain's way of keeping us safe. And so the, the unknown is much scarier than the familiar discomfort that we are in. So a lot of times, I don't think that people self-sabotage because they're afraid of failure. I think that they are afraid of success and what that is going to like, what their life is going to look like on the other side of that. So like, Hey, what you were saying earlier, so many women have been dieting for years and years. And because they are choosing methods that are not sustainable, that are restrictive, you know, like it's a very deprivation type mindset or, or just like overdoing it from an activity standpoint where it's like, it's punishment. They're not doing this to fuel themselves, to nourish themselves, to make themselves stronger and more confident. It's just like, how can I get smaller? And I feel like I need to punish myself in order to do that. And we know that that's only sustainable for so long. So they fall off track and then they either like end up, you know, quote unquote failing and they don't get back on. So then they go back to their old way of doing something they put the weight back on and then they get frustrated again and they find the next diet, the next quick fix, and the cycle just repeats itself. So now they have basically solidified this belief that there is something about them that is bad, is wrong. Like they're broken, their body's broken, whatever. And I'm like, no, it's not you. It was the, the plan that you chose to get that result. Like that is what fails you. You didn't necessarily fail it and they, they don't learn that lesson. So they just keep repeating it. Um, so I think that's one thing is they self-sabotage because they don't like believe that they are going to succeed. So anytime they do slip up, it's just confirmation that, Oh, here I go again. Like I'm not meant for this. I can't do it. I'm weak. I don't have self-control. I don't have any willpower. And that becomes this story that they play over and over again on repeat. So now they just continue to act in alignment with that. So any slip up again, confirmation that I am not meant for success. So I may as well, you know, keep going, keep, keep staying off track and either, you know, let that car crash or I'll try and you know, start again on Monday. And yeah, we know how that works. So I think that's one thing, but then also the self-sabotage. And this is what I see in some of my clients. I'm actually going through it with one girl right now where she is getting to that weight that at one point was her lowest weight where it wasn't sustainable. So now she sees herself inching closer and it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to screw this up again. So I may as well just, (laughs) I may as well screw it up now, right? Um, Save myself the heartache. Or it's this fear of if I do reach that goal, what is life going to look like? What am I going to have to do to sustain this progress? So am I going to have to live in this kind of restraint-like state Because let's be honest, if you want to lose body fat, you are going to have to practice some form of self-restraint. And a lot of people like aren't okay with that. You know, it's very uncomfortable for them. So they get it in their mind that if that's what I needed to do to achieve the goal, then is it what I'm going to have to do to try to maintain the goal? And I'm like, well, no, not necessarily because you're not going to be in a deficit forever. I mean, maintenance does require some sort of restraint. 
right? Like you can't just completely go back to doing what you were doing, but it doesn't have to look like it is right now. So I think that is one thing. And then also, you know, the fear of social ostracization, I would say. So what are my friends going to think? What are my family going to think? What is my spouse going to think? You know, they are not on this journey with me. Am I going to lose that love and connection because now my identity is shifting? My values are reprioritizing. So like, am I going to be out here like on this like island alone with a really good looking body, but no one to share it with? I think this is the biggest importance of not seeing it as a challenge or a phase or just this one-off stint because of course you're going to feel that way and as soon as you start to accept that this is a lifelong journey and you need to actually get your priority like I'm sorry that this is going to sound tough but honestly get your priorities straight figure out your budget and actually budget in to be with a coach for longer than a year like set yourself up for three years because then you will start to realize that you do have guidance on the other side. And yes, you want to maintain your results, but you don't want to maintain the cat. Like, yes, the diet needs to be sustainable, but not sustainable at 1200, 1600 calories. Like we said before, like you're not meant to maintain that, that weight, that completely lean look like your body changes day to day. And you need to be willing to let go of let go of that one day to allow yourself to actually thrive and live at maintenance because you're not going to gain a lot of fat and go back to how you used to be. So you can stop fearing that because now you have the tools. And if you embrace the lifestyle habits and like, like you said, it's like, what's life going to look like on the other side? Well, I feel like if, if you learn your worth and if you grow through the process and realize you will be growing through the process, the world changes with you. It's not like, mm-hmm. you're it like, okay, blindfold, you're going through the process and then all of a sudden 12 weeks are over, there's, you, you haven't like, it's not like you were blindfolded the whole way. You actually got to see and grow and become in the journey. Your relationships should evolve with you. So mm-hmm. you need to learn your worth. Otherwise, like if you're going to surround yourself with the same habits, the same people, the same environment, you're going to become the person you were before. So it's mm-hmm. actually a good thing that things are shifting with you. And if they don't, you need to be okay with letting that go. Or actually, like people don't have enough confidence to just get out there. And I feel like that's the thing that holds a lot of people back. Voice your opinions, join a, join a coaching team, find friends along the way so that you actually form connections with your new identity that you're trying to form because your old identity didn't serve you. And something you said made me think of my favorite quote, which is go all in, but not all, all or nothing. And you can't go into a journey keeping limit, limiting beliefs. You can't go into a journey keeping all these barriers holding you down and still trying to hold the reins. But I feel like the biggest thing that holds a lot of people back is this perfectionist mentality and having this ideal, which I know women all the time no I need to make sure the house is speaking spam no I need to do this no I need to do that and before they know it they had all these good intentions that not a single one has got done now like I don't know whether you come across this as well but it's like you have a conversation with someone they have every good intention to show up to the gym three times four times a week next day comes no show next day comes no show like that that's a form of like how would you both battle that and 
I feel like the thing I want to lead on to after this is even more important, but yeah. So I was listening to a podcast a while back with a husband and wife, Rachel and David Godfrey. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Rachel's been in the fitness industry, but she's like an OG of the fitness industry. Like, yeah. Athletic Fox. Like, so she's been around forever. And then now she's got this amazing husband who does a lot of mindset work. So I've listened to quite a few of their podcasts and they work primarily with high achieving perfectionist women, and they help them mostly with binge eating, but that binge eating is usually the result of the mindset struggles that they are dealing with behind the scenes. So like I said, like you were saying, a lot of perfectionism, a lot of all or nothing thinking. And, and I've definitely struggled with that myself in different areas. Um, not so it's never really applied in my fitness or my nutrition, like, so my health journey, but definitely with my business. So if I can't do something perfectly, then I may as well not do it at all. And then people will say like, oh, well, I'm a high achiever or I'm a perfectionist. And they wear it like it's this badge of honor. And one thing that I think it was David who said it, he was like, well, no, actually you're not a high achiever in that sense, because if you are waiting to be perfect until you do something, you know, put your work out there into the world, then you're going to be waiting forever. And then like, you're never going to do it. So now like you haven't done anything. (laughs) So like what's worse, putting something out, getting started and having at least like done it or to continue to hold yourself back because you need it to be perfect and not do anything at all. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So I don't think any time that we start on something that like we've never done before, where there's going to be a steep learning curve, like we're not going to get it perfectly right off the gate, but that's where we, that's where we learn like, okay, what went wrong? What do I need to improve upon from next time? Like, it's just, it's not a failure. It's just a learning lesson. And now I can adjust course correct and make a different decision the next time around so that I can improve. And now I just like refine and eventually I'm, I'm better off as a result. I love that. Yeah, that like, it's, if you actually think about the logistics behind it, which a lot of people are too emotional to detach from it. I remember someone saying to me once when I like, it's, it's funny how we can, I'll bring that bit up later, but someone said something to me once where if you're so stressed out or if you're giving into emotions, you're letting that emotion win over your logic. But when logic wins over your emotions, that is when you win. And until you can actually see the logic in it, you're not achieving anything. So how are you a high achiever? And it's so true because if you're trying to be a perfectionist in so many areas of your life, or if you're trying to be a perfectionist in one area, here's the thing, everything you do, like think about picking a croissant over eating a big bowl of rice and chicken, same calories, 400 calorie croissant, 400 calorie rice and chicken bowl. Your trade-off is hunger. You're going to have cravings. You're going to not feel satisfied very soon after. The, the croissant probably won't even fill you up. You're going to start triggering even more cravings for junk food. And then you're not going to want to stay on track anymore. So that's the trade-off. It's the same with your perfectionist mentality. Like how much is your trying to be perfect, like leading to sacrifices in other areas of your life? 
because mm-hmm. there's trade-offs for everything. You can't give 100% to everything. And trying to give 100% to something is, it, it's reasonable in terms of effort, but in terms of outcome, there's no such thing as perfect. Like mm-hmm. there's only the best that you can do. And that is perfect enough. Like to me, what I see as a perfect business is different to what you see as a perfect business. What I see as a perfect training plan and perfect body is different to what you see as a perfect body. So what the hell does perfect mean? Well, like, that's the thing. It's like, what even is perfect? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you quantify perfect? Every, like your perception is the lens through which you see the world. And everybody has that based on their own growing up, based on their exposures. And like, if you hyper-focus on anything, you lose focus on most things. It, it works that way. Like think about, I, I did a story and I tried to draw a gun, sh- a gun, a gun, like zero thing like that. I'm like, focus on this thing. You completely miss what's happening all the way around you over here because you're too focused on this. So yeah. you take a wider perspective. But what I wanted to bring up in the end there is there's this, there's this mindset and this mentality around we both went through the same thing I actually I can't find my post I planned it ages ago on Canberra I still have to put it up but we both were someone that hated rest days and it's only now that we love our rest days like we can get into a trap of I'm already training five days a week right now and then it's because you're so used to it you get comfortable and it's like no I can't cut it down now because this is what got got me the results that I have now so then you're afraid like this was me because I was so used to training three four days a week and then COVID happened. I put myself into five days a week. It took me a month to let go of the fear of dropping a day because I know I love four days training. I can give mm-hmm. it my all and I have more focus for my business because you're not meant to live life to train. You train to live a better life. Mm-hmm. Think about it that way. And it took me a month to let go of that, like four weeks of smashing myself and hating and struggling on my fifth day to finally let it go to this four days a week. And it's the same with, the way that you died. It's like, yeah, well, I've been doing 1200 calories and running like this and blah, blah, blah. For so long, this is what got me the results. I'm not letting it go. It's like that exact fear is what is holding you back. The fear of doing more, doing less, I should say, is holding you back. Like there are people that say, I still have fat to lose. How is eating more and doing less going to help me? Mm-hmm. Well, because you can't physically do anymore. Well, you probably could but then you'll be doing less in other areas because you'll feel like a potato sack. Yeah. Or absolutely. you're going to end up binging all the time, which is exactly what you're doing, which if you're like that kind of perfectionist person, it's just like, this is my only escape. It's the only thing that I can control. You try to control your food and then you binge at night because you didn't really have the control because you felt out of control in your life. So now you're letting it out on the food. There, there, there is a, there's a little cause there that might happen. It's, you need to be able to slow down and realize that th- there are seasons every year, like summer, spring, unless you live in Australia and it's summer and winter only, but mm-hmm. summer, spring, autumn, winter, that's the winter. <laughs> winter, like there's four seasons. And I heard Jade Teeter talk about, talk about this. I actually love him. He's changed. His oh, he's he's like one of my like first mentors. So yeah. I loved him. And then people changed my perception about him. I'm like, yeah. He is a naturopath and naturopaths are usually dumb, but you know, like they're like, it's just like, they're only dumb if they just do things to get passes. But if people actually put in the effort to learn the curriculum, there are probably about like 2% really good people in that industry. And Jade Teeter is one of them. So I love him again now, but he said, this is the thing, like there is 
seasons of life, there are places where you will be eating. Like it's, it's like the four seasons. I call it the same thing that he calls it. There are times where you eat more and train less. There are times where you train more and eat less, but mm-hmm. you're living mostly in the eat more, train more, because that's where you're in a season of abundance. And then there's the eat less, train less. That's like, that shit should be the stuff that you don't plan in. It's the stuff where you want to go on holidays. It's the Christmas. It's the Thanksgiving. It's your birthdays where you, well, it's not about really eating less. It's caring less about tracking everything pretty much and allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to like take the step back. Like if you do what you need to do most of the time, it's your insurance policy for when you actually want to enjoy yourself yet. Something I realized is scrolling my feed, people were more concerned about food, weight, fat, training, movement, cardio in the last two weeks of the year. And I never saw it get talked about most of the other year. It's like people care more about this shit in the last two weeks of the year when they should be caring about it the other 50. Like, <laughs> the deal. Like, I've never seen you guys talk about food before. And now you're talking about being scared about getting fat. Yeah. Well, you should have thought about that the other 50 weeks because then you wouldn't really care about these two weeks. It's right. Right. Insane. Like you get to, yeah, it's, um, I guess you mentioned this. It's, you do need to have some form of restraint, but the thing is the more that you put yourself through the process, the more effortless it becomes. Like I don't crave shit ever. never like I shouldn't say never like very rarely like I was uh this is gonna sound really strange I know are you familiar with Stephanie Buttermore yeah I used to watch her things too (laughs) okay so for people so for listeners who don't know Stephanie Buttermore is in the fitness industry she used to be a competitor so she got very very lean when she competed and then something happened where she developed extreme hunger And she did something called like an all in process where she just ate like literally whatever she wanted, whatever she wanted, uh, what probably upwards of, I don't know, 6,000 calories a day, something like that to regulate her hunger and satiety hormones, which she did. And then she, and, and she gained quite a bit of weight. And then she ended up like, you know, swinging back the other way where everything leveled out, her weight started to drop all that. So I I don't really, I don't watch her videos. I don't follow her that closely, but she came up in my feed last night as I was, you know, doom scrolling before bed, like we're not supposed to do. And I was just like, I was kind of going through some of her highlights and looking at some of her posts. And she was in Europe um, and in Mexico and like everything was just like so food centered. So all of the pizza and the pasta and the pastries and like, it's like, okay, yeah, that looks good. But I wasn't looking at those photos, just like salivating over them. I'm like, meh, I mean, it looks good, but I, I don't have cravings for food like that. Like I quite honestly enjoy my very basic nutrient dense meals of like, I think we've talked about it, Ruby, you know, sweet potatoes, like (laughs) Japanese sweet potatoes for me. It's like, you know, the Japanese pumpkin, um, all of that stuff is really enjoyable. And then I have what I call that was really something that I picked up from Jade and his ex-wife Jill. Um, they're called, I think, DNCs, not DNCs. Um, she calls them like nutritional relief. I don't know. She's got a cute little word that she uses for it. But what are those things that you can add into your day that are just enough 
indulgence or give you just enough satisfaction that it mitigates cravings for all of the really hyper palatable stuff. So for me, it's like, a, you know, creamer in my coffee or, you know, avocado in your salad, like something that it's not this huge calorie bomb, but like, it's just enough to, to take the edge off and have like a lifeless salad go from one that, you know, is going to feel restrictive to something that is more enjoyable. I actually feel like if people, like there are some people that need the snacks, but I feel like if people actually put a lot more substance into their meals, you will oh, have yeah. a lot less cravings. Like I actually try so hard most of the time to elongate the time between my third meal and my fifth meal so that I can put my fourth meal and my fifth meal together. Cause my fourth meal and my fifth meal are literally the exact same spit meal. So I just get double the amount and it's my favorite meal in the world. It's a whole heap of rice, a whole heap of tuna, a whole heap of cheese, a whole heap of Japanese pumpkin and mixed veggies. But it is the most delicious tuna bake. And it's like, I look forward to that every night. I don't want pizza. I don't want tacos. I don't want any of that stuff. And if I, if I crave anything, it's my own food because it's like, I, I remember this time where I had such a strong craving for lamingtons. This was probably when I was cutting. Like all I was craving for what? Oh God, they're Australian. Okay. They're lamingtons. It's like a vanilla sponge cake and it's, cho- it's coated in chocolate and then coconut. Oh, it, coconut it, is like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it, like you need to, you need to look it up. There was something else that you, you probably don't know, which you should look up. And that's fairy bread and Milo. So fairy bread, Milo and lamingtons are like Australian things that are amazing that no one knows about. But back to the lamingtons, I was just craving these lamingtons and cinnamon buns really. But then I got over the cinnamon buns thing. And then as soon as I started just eating my normal diet again which what which went from like 1200 calories for the last two weeks of the cut this was ages ago because I was tiny but 1200 calories to straight up to 1900 calories because I was so lean for so long so I just jumped it up but I had zero cravings I was eating I was still eating volume food because I I love my I love my volume food but I was eating all that stuff I had no cravings no cravings I didn't even want the lamington anymore and I was so set on buying that lamington the next week. And I'm just like, I don't want it anymore. Like I'm eating enough food. People don't realize that you're craving all these things. You're binging on your diet. You're not sticking to plan because you haven't got yourself in the right place to do a fat loss phase. It's like, as soon as you actually spend enough time building these habits and changing your taste buds, creating more of a lifestyle it's going to be so much easier for you to go into a fat loss phase because you're not going to be craving all the things. The only thing you'll be struggling with is probably energy at towards the end of it, but you're going to start feeling hungry along the way, but it, you're going to actually be able to fill it with proper foods that fill you up because you're not going to be craving chocolate at night in the sense that you want to eat a whole block, which then means that you need to take out a whole big meal because you just consumed 300 and something calories. Like there's always trade-offs to something. Yes, always trade-offs. And I was going to say that going back to what you were talking about earlier with the exercise, like the five days of exercise. So, oh, that might feel really, that might feel really safe, but there's going to be a trade-off. So for me right now, I'm training five days a week and I think I have six more weeks on this program. I'm like not doing it again, going back to four. Like there's, there's a little bit of that almost like, yeah, fear. Like this is the, these are the sick tricks that our brain plays on us 
because it wants to feel safe. And you always have to manage your mind. You always have to talk back to it and be like, I'm sorry. I understand you're trying to keep me safe because you're afraid of whatever it is that you're afraid of at this point. Um, but I, I'm not going to go there. Like I know the logical, again, you were saying the logical side of you knows that I feel better. I perform better. I have more energy. I can give more attention to other really more important things of my life if I am only doing a certain amount. So yeah, I feel like five days a week is too much for me. And there is a trade-off when it comes to my recovery, my overall like level of fatigue. Like I'm starting to feel like catch up with me at this point. Like at first it was good. I'm like, oh man, like my health is in such a great spot. Like I can, I can handle five days a week again. And now I'm kind of like, oh, did I just hit the wall? <laughs> you know? So yeah, like there are, there are always going to be sacrifices for sure. Um, but going back to the cravings, I think it's, it's, I would say cravings are almost more like fourfold. So one labeling foods as good and bad. So putting certain foods on a pedestal, and then it's kind of like that whole concept of, oh, Ruby, don't think of a white elephant or a pink elephant. You're going to think of the pink elephant. So same thing. When we put a food off limits, that's all we're going to think about, especially if it's a food that we really enjoy and we're you know, thinking is quote unquote bad. So the more you think about it, the more power it has over you. And then in that weak moment, when you are sleep deprived, calorie deprived, overworked, then you are going to, you know, go for it and probably not be able to stop yourself. So that's one. And then two, the under eating. So if you are not well fed enough, if you've been restricting for a very long time, like your brain is literally saying to you, like, I need these calories. So it's going to be harder to restrain yourself. Um, and, and then also the, like not eating well balanced meals, like you were saying. So if you're eating a protein, a carb, uh, some form of veggie, you know, a little bit of fat to make that meal like filling nutrient dense, satisfying and like large and enjoyable enough that you're, it really does register with your brain. Like, okay, like I have had enough, I'm good. Then you're not going to be needing that that snack 10 minutes later. Whereas if it was, yeah, the lifeless salad with like dry chicken and a couple of cucumbers on it, of course, you're, you're going to be seeking out something that's hyper palatable. So that, and then overall lack of sleep stress management. So that's going to increase it. And then I think the fourth is a lack of fulfillment. So this is what I call your satisfaction cup. Like, are you filling up your life satisfaction cup? or is food your only outlet? So I put up a post like this, man, there's sometimes like, sometimes I think about repurposing content, which I do all the time. And I double check myself and I'm like, man, I had a lot more confidence like a couple of years ago, like not really caring what people thought. And now I'm like, Oh, should I put that up again? But this quote was, if you find yourself always falling off track on the weekends, create a life that you don't need to escape from. I, I actually say this to my clients sometimes when they say, I can't wait for another holiday. I'm like, this is why you struggle to stay on track. It's, I, I'm actually like, whoa, that is what I say. But it's like, if all you want to do is have a holiday, no wonder you can't stay on track. You're always trying to escape from all of this stress and it, it's not benefiting you. Stop focusing on shit you can't control. 
because that's what's leading to the spiral. It's like you're focusing so much on what you can't control that you're not feeling happy in the moment. You're stressed out about everything and you're going to stay stressed out. It's never going to get solved because Mm -hmm. the elements of that stress are out of your control. So I love, I love the way that this segued into what we want to talk about next time. I have Marcy on as well, because we're going to be talking about just how much this satisfaction cup, this, the, like, we're going to talk about how sleep can make you fat, how stress can make you fat, like how they all function together, which I wrote in another post recently, which is the body does not, like the body isn't a sum of units. It is one unit that works together. And if your sleep's not in check, if your stress is not managed and all these other factors, including your life satisfaction, like if you're put if you're so go, go, go all the time that you're not actually giving into these other areas of life because you're so focused on the scale, so focused on this body, so focused on this comfort, like this, this identity that you've built, which I, I think I might name the podcast that too. Your brain is trying to keep you safe in your comfort zone. So if you're trying to stay in this bubble all of your life, all of the time, you're missing out on everything else and you're never going to feel fulfilled. You're always going to be chasing that thing. And something that I feel will be really important to talk about in the next podcast as well is when people try these diets and they lose all the weight, they put the weight back on and they feel lost. They feel like they're not actually dieting on low calories anymore, but they just put on all the weight they've lost and they, they, they're fearful to try again. It's like, they won't try the right way. They won't invest in themselves. They won't ask for help. Like, I feel like it's not only letting go of limiting beliefs, but be willing to ask for help and allow yourself to be vulnerable and saying that you like, just because you have however many years of experience of doing your dieting, which makes you feel like you should know it all. And the fact that you scroll Instagram, which makes you feel like you know it all. The difference is it's not for you. It's not someone with an objective view. It's not someone telling you to be, okay, you can be vulnerable now. Like vulnerable in terms of you need to kick up your ass to actually do the thing. And vulnerable in terms of, no, you need to slow down. You're you're going way too fast. You're complicating the process and you're making it harder for yourself. Yeah. One thing I always like to say is sometimes, you, not even sometimes, <laughs> you do need to slow down to speed up. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I think a lot of people in one area of life, at least, everybody needs to slow down in one area to speed up because Mm -hmm. as humans, we're very riveted to something and we're going to keep trying to put the foot to gas endlessly. So figure out where it is in your life that I'm going to let you sum this up with a really good message as well. But I feel like all of this podcast is summed up in pretty much you need to allow yourself to let go of the reins and your brain loves the comfort zone just Mm -hmm. like it loves the safety of this identity you've created which is how we started the podcast and it's how we'll end it like you create this identity and I've mentioned it on many podcasts before where I struggled to allow myself to gain weight and you're always going to gain weight when you're trying to build muscle because muscle weighs something. And if yeah. you ask, if you just got down to the leanest you've ever been, you're never going to stay the exact same weight. And if you're, this is why I say, fuck the scales off. Like they're not, when you're on stage, they don't weigh you to see who wins the physique competition. When you're doing a photo shoot, they don't weigh you to say, sorry, 
you're not allowed to do a photo shoot because you're too heavy for that. No, it's how you look. And I was my identity from this comp prep because my coach back then was a scales number only. He just wanted me to check in with my scale weight. And because I was so focused on success being marked by that scale going down, I was scared to let it go up. I didn't let go of the scales after my diet. And it took me ages to let go of that. So mm-hmm. we're so used to this comfort zone. You need to let go of that and you need to be willing to ask for help, but you need to trust the process, but you need to actually let go of the reins, but you need to do the work. Like we tell our clients things all the time to help them. We try to change things to help you more. Like if our message didn't help you the first time, we will ask questions to figure out what we can say to help you the next time. We keep trying to help you in every way that's suited to you, but what does that mean? What, what, what do our talks even mean if you're not going to actually put that into practice, if you're not mm-hmm. going to actually work on it, if you're not going to actually go all in without going all or nothing because you need to be okay with slipping up. You need to be okay with reaching out. You need to be okay with letting go of the way you did things before and getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you sum it up now that I did my little. Well, yeah, and I think essentially sometimes it's taking that one step back to make two steps forward. So like you said, letting go of control, doing things differently. And I'll I'll be honest, like it might, it's going to be uncomfortable. Your brain is going to fight you the whole way. And and it's going to be hard until it's not. That's another thing that I like to tell people is finally you settle into this place where you're like, I don't even have the desire to go back to what I used to do. Sometimes I feel like I'm lazy these days, you know, where I used to never miss a workout. I was doing cardio pretty much every day, prepping all my food. And now I'm like queen of convenience. Can't remember the last time, like I, I did cardio on Sunday, but that was the first time in a year that I had done structured cardio aside from just going for a walk. So yeah, like it's going to be difficult at first, but then eventually you're going to ease into the process and you are going to see the benefits. And then you're like, okay, this doesn't feel so bad anymore. So that's a really great place to get to. Um, but yeah, it's going to come with releasing that identity. So for me, I think for you even too, because we have similar backgrounds and I know you were on Sarah Bishop's podcast recently. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but she talks about this a lot too. Like, cause she's going through that phase where she's trying to, you know, gain weight after being, very, very tiny when she competed. And she's like, the hardest thing about it, like, even though I want to be more competitive, even though I want to gain muscle is letting go of the identity of being the tiny one. And I still struggle. Like I struggle with that too. That, that was me. Cause I, I was this chick lifting heavy ass weight with striations and shreds everywhere. Like it took me ages to let go of that identity. And it, it's a real thing. It's a real phenomenon. And you need, you need to realize that clinging on to these things how is it serving you and your growth and who has to live with the consequences well it's funny because I and I've said this many times in my content or on podcasts I my life was like falling apart when I was at my very leanest my marriage end ended excuse me my five-year relationship to the next person I was in a relationship with that ended when I was at my very leanest because I was so self-centered, I was moody, I was irritable. And I thought that that's what was going to keep me safe and protected and loved and all of that. 
And it's not at all. It's like, it really is the energy that you, it's your energy that is attractive. You don't know how good you can feel until you allow yourself to feel good. And we'll talk about this in the next podcast, because this is something that I'm working on myself and we all have things we're working on. Like, I don't know how good it feels to get eight hours sleep until I actually start consistently getting eight hours sleep. Like I'm now consistently hitting seven hours. Whereas before I was hitting like six, six and a Mm -hmm. half. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's uncomfortable because you're trading things off. This is why you should always ask yourself, what are the pros and the cons of any behavior? Like, what is the con of me getting more sleep? It's not being able to have that ah, relaxing and feeling connected by scrolling social media. Like it could be the fact that I don't want, it could be the fear of FOMO, like missing out on things that people post. So it's like, they're, they're the cons of me sleeping early, but what are the pros? Like you need to weigh that up and re- and keep reinforcing the fact that, okay, but we will talk about all the benefits of sleep, but sleep hinders fat loss and muscle gain in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it makes you unhealthier as a person. And I guess to sum up what you said and the podcast, it's, it's kind of like DOMS when you're training, like muscle soreness. It's every single time you work a new muscle group, it's going to be freaking sore for a while. Change program. It's going to make you really damn sore for a little while. But then you get used to that pain threshold. You get more pain tolerant. It's the same with everything else you apply in life. It's you do something. It's like growing pains and then it hurts less. It becomes more effortless. It's going to be hard until it's not. And mm-hmm. it's so true. So Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Well, good stuff. So round two coming soon. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to leave your Instagram handle below. It's Marcy Nevin and you'll see her name in the podcast title. Is there anything else that you want to mention? No, I don't think so. I think we covered it for now. For now. Until next time. We're going to be organizing another one and you'll hear all about the different things that you didn't know are stopping you from losing fat and getting the gold body of your dreams. So thank you. And we will talk soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you.